Let's pray together. God, I pray that we would be known by our love because you have first loved us. We can now love you and love others the way that we ought to. And Lord, I pray that that would be true in the Hill Baptist Church, that our community would look upon us and know that these are people that love Christ and love well. Lord, I pray even now as we open your word and we look at what it means to be a part of your church, Lord, that you would give us insight and wisdom, that you would help us to move in the direction that you would have us to move in, that we may grow in our relationship with you, and that we may reflect that love more clearly to those around us and to those within the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the past few weeks we've been going through this series entitled Rethink Church. And it's kind of a reminder for some of you, and maybe for some it's some new material, but a couple weeks ago we defined what the church is. Like, what do you mean when you say the church? And we used a line in the Nicene Creed that was revised in 381 in Constantinople. And there's a line in that creed that says, we believe in one holy universal and apostolic church. And so we use that as our outline to find out what is the church. And we talked about a number of characteristics of the church, one being that the church is one and that it's universal, meaning that it spans time, space. Everyone who has saving faith is in this thing called the church, the body of Christ, the people of God. But we also said not only is it universal, but it's also local. There's local manifestations of this universal body. And that's where we have you know, the Hill Baptist Church, for example, and other churches that are centered on Christ. And then Roger Murchison came last week and said, you know, the church not only exists because of Jesus, but exists for a purpose. And we are to be about the Father's business. That's the business that the church is in, the Father's business, to make disciples of all nations. That's why we're here. And that we're each members of this body, and we are all gifted uniquely by God to contribute to the building up of His body and the making of disciples of all nations. And so we've been going through this series, we've been looking at these different aspects of the church, and this morning we're going to talk about church membership, this whole idea. And many of you are familiar with this idea, where you have these local churches like the Hill Baptist Church, and then you have people that are members of that church. So what does that what does that mean? Is that a biblical idea? Is that something that you should do or shouldn't do? And so that's what we're going to look at today. And I want to quote one uh, bishop of Carthage. His name is Cyprian. And he said this in the 3rd century. Now this phrase, I'm not in completely agreement, agreement with all aspects of this phrase, but I appreciate his emphasis on coming together as the local body of Christ in the church. He says this, he says, He can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. Now when we hear that, we think, oh, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I agree with that. But at the same time, just like we talked about a few weeks ago, if God is our father, then the church is our mother in the sense that we have become part of this body, this universal body of Christ. And this is what God has put in place to nurture us in the faith, just like a mother nurtures her child. And so now the question is, well, what about uh, the local church? We know that that's true of the universal church. When you place your faith in Jesus, you're brought into the 
universal church, but what about the local church? Should we connect ourselves to the local church? And so my sermon has two parts this morning. The first part is I want to, I want to demonstrate the biblical basis for local church membership. And then the second part of the sermon is I want to give you three reasons why you should not join the local church. So first let's look at uh, the biblical basis for church membership. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 18, and if you, if you don't have a Bible, you can use one that's in the pew in front of you, and it's on page 851. But I think it's important that you read these verses for yourselves and become acquainted with them. Because I do, I do think these passages speak to uh, what we're talking about this morning and this whole idea of local church membership and what that means. Okay, Jesus is, in Matthew 18, He's given instruction in how, as to how we as Christians deal with conflict with one another. You know, if your brother in Christ sins against you, how do you deal with that? And so Jesus addresses that in Matthew 18. And in verses 15 through 17, He says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Now verse 17 is the one I want to focus on here. He says, if your brother and sister sins against you and you're unable to achieve reconciliation then you are to involve other Christians in that process of reconciliation, or at least trying to seek out reconciliation. And then he says, if you cannot accomplish reconciliation, even with other Christians, then you, you should bring it to the church. And so what I see this implying is that Jesus is not referring to the universal church, but he's talking about the local church. Those people that you've been involved with, the local church that you are a member of, that you've been connected with, involved with. And so... There has to be some way to distinguish who is in the church and who is not, or this would make no sense. You know, how can you bring your brother or bring this instance with your brother to the church if you don't know who the church is? And so there had to be some way to distinguish who is in the church, who is not in the church. So that's one, I think, basis for why we do local church membership, for example. Uh, the next one is in Hebrews 13, which is on page 1044 in the Pew Bible. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 13, 17. Again, I think this only really makes sense if there's some way to distinguish visibly you know, who and who is not in the church. Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have, been, who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So if you're a Christian, if you, if you follow Christ, this begs the question, and that question is, who are your leaders? Or you know, who is your pastor or your pastors? Because if you haven't joined yourself to a local community of believers, a local church, I don't see how we could live out this passage of Scripture. 
You know, how can you submit, do you submit just to random people that call themselves pastors, or are you part of a local community with local pastors? So the first one we see is when we deal with conflict, we need to be able to distinguish who the church is. Uh, when we submit to leaders, we need to be able to distinguish, okay, who is the church, who is the pastor, etc. And the third reason comes from Acts 20. If you look with me at Acts 20, page 965 in your pew Bible. And there are other passages we could point to, like 1 Peter 5, 1-3, through 3, but I want to, just for the sake of time, look at this one. And Luke records uh, in the following verses, in Acts 20, starting in verses 17 and 18, he's given the context of what's happening here. He says, Now from Miletus, he, meaning Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, and then he gave them a number of different instructions. Okay, so he's speaking to the elders, the pastors of the church. And then coming down to verse 28 in Acts 20, Paul says to the pastors, to the elders, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And what we see in the Gospels is that Jesus refers to him, refers to himself as the shepherd of the sheep. And we know throughout the scripture that the flock or the sheep refer to the people of God. And so Paul is saying, obviously Christ is the, is the ultimate shepherd of the sheep, the church as a whole. But then he has these under-shepherds, pastors, elders, that are to shepherd the flock entrusted to them. And so, just imagine this, okay? Let's say someone has 200 sheep, and they come to you, you're a shepherd, and they say, okay, I want you to, I want you to, to shepherd these 200 sheep, okay? And you say, okay, I can do that. I will, I will care for them. I will look out for them. I will try to take care of them. He goes away, and the shepherd, he shepherds the sheep, and then the owner comes back and says, well, how are my sheep doing? And the shepherd says, well, uh, I know you gave me 200 sheep, but um, I only know where about 100 of them are. But those 100, I think, are doing pretty good. I mean, you think he would be a good shepherd or not so good shepherd? You know, would you want to be that shepherd to say, you know, you gave me 200 sheep. I only know where about 100 of them are. The other 100, maybe they joined another flock. Maybe they've been eaten by wolves. Maybe they're doing their own thing. I don't know. Maybe they died. I'm not sure where they are. But those 100, you know, they're, they're doing pretty good. You know, none of us want to be in that position. And so, you know, as a pastor, I think about, okay, I give an account to the Lord for the membership of the Hill Baptist Church. And, and one thing I really appreciate is just over uh, about a month ago, one of our church members mentioned that, you know, in the Hill Baptist Church, we have several members that we don't know where they are. They've moved away. Over the years, we've lost contact with them. Where are they? And she, she just mentioned that, you know, we need to do a better job in, in trying to find them. And I said... Absolutely, I fully agree with that. And so I'm looking forward to trying to find several members of our church that I don't know who they are, where they are. We're going to try to find them and see how they're doing. If they've joined another flock, church, or whatnot, or 
what's going on there. That's important because as a shepherd, I need to be able to distinguish who is the flock and who's not. And I think this gives a basis for church membership as well. But on a side note, I think we need to know who the church is and kind of where they are. Because we don't want to go before the Lord and say, I know you gave us 200 sheep, but 100 of those, we know where they are. The other 100, I have, have no idea where they went. That would not be a good conversation, I don't think. So I think just this idea of, of shepherding a flock, there needs to be a way to distinguish who is the flock, who is not the flock, if, they're going to, if the shepherd is going to do his job well. The fourth reason uh, that I think is important to have a way to distinguish who is part of the local church and who is not is all the one another commands in Scripture. You know, in John 13, Jesus tells us to love one another. Uh, James tells us to confess our sins to one another, to pray for one another. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians to bear one another's burdens. And you know, it would be very difficult to, to fulfill these one another commands if we don't know who the other is. <laughs> it's not just some random other person out there, but it's one another, those who share our faith in Christ. Now, surely we're to you know, love everyone, but we're to especially love and care for and build up those who are part of the church. And so there's, there needs to be some way to distinguish who is and who is not part of the church. Another reason I think it's important to have local church membership, just a way to distinguish, is uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper. I think Jesus implemented these very visible ways to identify with one another so that we will know who is and who is not professing to follow Christ. You know, I remember in the 11th grade when I stood before uh, First Baptist Church in North Augusta and I was about to be baptized. And I was standing before the church body, just like you. You're, you're all sitting here in the pews. Can you imagine yourself up, up in the baptistry? And what you're saying is, I profess to be a follower of Jesus. And through my baptism, I'm not only obeying the Lord by following His command to be baptized, but I'm also identifying publicly with you as believers. And when I did that at First Baptist Church, what that did is to tell the congregation, if you see me walking around town and you see me doing something that is not honoring to the Lord, you have freedom to speak into my life and to share that with me. If I have a need, you, it opens the door for you to help me, care for me, build me up. It gives me freedom to do the same to you because we have committed ourselves into this relationship. This covenant relationship where we've entered together visibly before the city and say, we are part of the church. And I am part of you. And it's a beautiful picture of how we are grafted into the family of God, even locally. And the same thing with the Lord's Supper. You know, when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take the bread, when we drink the cup, all you have to do is look around and you see who is and who is not a follower of Jesus. It's a visible demonstration. And I think these are in place because we need to be visible. We need to know who is part of the local church. And so this idea of local church membership, I think, is very important to help us 
distinguish who is a follower of Jesus uh, and who is yet to come to Christ in Him. Put, his, put their faith in Him. So, so now that we've established the basis for local church membership, and if you have any more questions about that, you know, please let me know, and I'd love to talk with you about it. But I think there's a good basis there for why we do that, why we ask you to visibly join yourself to a local church family. Now I want to give you three reasons why you should not join the local church. Okay? The first reason you should not join the local church is if you want to center your life around convenience. If you, if you want your life to be very convenient, do not join the local church. And let me, let me tell you why. You know, attending events, attending a service here or there, that's very convenient because you can do that just, you know, whenever you want to. However, relationships are not convenient, right? <laughs> relationships are not convenient. You know, things don't happen on your timetable in a relationship. Things just happen, and we know that. Relationships are wonderful, but relationships are messy. And when you join yourself to the local church, you're not just coming to an event. You're joining yourself into a family. And as we all know, family is not always convenient. But it's important. For example, bearing one another's burdens is not convenient, but it's biblical. Right? And so if you want to center your life around convenience, if you want to strive for convenience, you want your life to be as convenient as possible, don't join the local church. Because when you enter relationships with people, uh, it's not convenient. But it's biblical. The second reason you should avoid joining the local church is if you want to avoid accountability. In other words, if you can just attend services here and there, no one will know you. You know, we've talked about this before. You don't get to know someone sitting in rows, but sitting in circles. And so you could come and, and join us at 11 o'clock just about every week, and you probably won't have to worry about being held accountable because no one will really know you until you really start getting to know the church or come before the church and say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to join with you as we know Christ and make Him known. Once you do that, you're in the body. You're in the family. And now we want to help you grow in Him. And we want to you know, strive to make you more like Jesus. But if you don't want that accountability, then you need to remain anonymous. And you need to not go public with your faith. And so... If you want to avoid accountability where people help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you should, you should definitely not join the local church. And the third reason you should not join the local church is if you want to avoid commitment. There's a pastor that wrote a book a few years ago with a great title. The title of the book is Stop Dating the Church. <laughs> I love the title. And what he observed was that people would, you know, they would just kind of go to church like it was an event and not a community. And they would just attend events and they would never become part of the local church. They would not commit themselves to the local family. And, uh, you know, he, he used that term dating. Don't stop dating the church because dating is a light commitment. 
You know, you go on a date. If you don't like her, you don't go on a date again. You know, you know if things aren't going well, you break up, go on dates with someone else. No big deal. But when you get married, now that's a heavier commitment, right? You don't get out of a marriage like you get out of a dating relationship. You know, when you're dating someone, you always have a way out. I don't like this. I'm out. Marriage, heavier commitment. It's supposed to be for life. And so, he says, stop dating the church. Now, when you think about this, you may say, well, there's some reasons why I have been dating the church and I have been hesitant to commit to her. And one of those reasons may be that you have, maybe you're involved in, for example, a small group. And you say, well, Ron, you know, I... I haven't joined a local church because I'm involved in a small group Bible study or in a ministry somewhere in town. And that really is functioning like my church family. So I don't really see the need to, you know, plug into a local church. First of all, let me say, there are several wonderful and fantastic ministries in our city. And what we call them is parachurch ministries. You know, for 12 years, I served full time with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is a parachurch ministry. And a parachurch ministry is a kind of a subset of the church that's focused on a specific type of ministry. It's kind of a little slice of the pie that's giving attention to that one area. For me, it was, it was college students. I spent 12 years just ministering to college students. That was our, our role. And so we were to come alongside and help the church reach college students and then plug them into the local church. And there are several other great parachurch ministries in town, like Young Life, uh, Bible Study Fellowship, uh, Baptist Campus Ministries, just all types of wonderful parachurch ministries. And one of the things I loved about Campus Crusader Crew is that they required their staff, when you moved to a new area, you needed to join a local church within the first six months. You need to be plugged into a local church. And I think if you were to go to you know, the leaders of Young Life or BSF or BCM or other parachurch ministries, I think they would encourage you to do the same thing. Because those ministries, are, they're not the church. They're just one aspect of the ministry of the church. And so in order to be exposed to the fullness of what God is doing in His body, we need to link ourselves to the local church. Or you may say, well, Ron, you know, I just haven't found that perfect church. Well, there's not one, and especially if you mean, I haven't found that church that does everything the way I like it. (laughs) That does not exist. That would be a church of one. And uh, it's not much of a church, because the church is a group, the people of God. And so, you may say, well, I haven't found the perfect church. You know, the church is a, can be a very messy place, because think about it. It's, It's a gathering of sinners saved by grace. We are in the church because we know we don't have it all together. We know we need Christ. We know we need forgiveness. And we're together. You're not going to see perfection in here. That's just not going to happen. And we acknowledge that. And that's why we preach grace and forgiveness through Christ. Because we all need that. This is not a place where we have it all together. Things are always going to go smooth. We're always going to agree. That's just not going to happen. However, hopefully what you'll see is if we are in Christ, there will be a pattern of confession and repentance. And that's what sets us apart from the world. 
we're willing to admit our sin, confess our sin, and experience the forgiveness that comes through Christ. We're not perfect. There may, there's probably people in Augusta that act a lot better than we do. But what, one thing that should mark us, though, what we were saying earlier, is our love for Christ and our love for each other in that we will even come to the point where we will say, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't have it all together. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. That was the wrong choice. Will you forgive me? That's the mark of a Christ-centered church. So if you're looking for the perfect church, uh, you're going to keep looking. Because there's always going to be a song that we sing that you're not going to like. And a style that we sing it that you're not going to like. I'm going to preach a message or it could be the, it could be the, um, the subject matter or the way I'm preaching it. You're not going to like that. There's a, we're in the process of looking to replace some carpet in the church. Somebody's not going to like that. You know, there's going to be something that you like this, you like that. It's not a perfect church. We're going to do the best we can to, to make the right choices to move us forward in the mission of God. But we're not going to be perfect. And so if you're looking for a perfect church, uh, you're not going to find it. So, what I'm not saying, though, is that you shouldn't try out different churches. I mean, I think you can. A season of dating is a good thing. You know, check out different churches, pray about where the Lord wants you. But the whole point of dating, and this is a whole other series, the whole point of dating is to lead you to marriage. And so, Joshua Harris in his book, Stop Dating the Church, is basically saying, you know, visit churches, but realize there's no perfect church. Pray about it. Marry a local church. Join it. So, if you want to avoid commitment, though, and make it real easy for you to leave, uh, then, then do not join a local church. Now, obviously... I think you should join a local church. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a biblical thing. I think it's actually God's plan to build you up into who He wants you to be. I think that's God's plan to uh, build you up and to reach the world. It's through the church. And so I think you should join the church. Um, And I actually would say until you actually become part of the church, the local church that you're limiting what God can do in your life. Because it's through the church that God nurtures His people. One of my, one of my children uh, spent the night with a friend last night. Now, I want you to think of it like this. If you can remember the last time you spent the night with a friend. When you go spend the night with a friend, you enjoy many of the blessings of being in that house. You have shelter, uh, you have food, you have fellowship, friendship there, um, and you even have instruction, right? The parents are going to probably tell you when it's time to go to bed, what to do, what not to do. So you're benefiting greatly from being inside that house for that night. But we'd all, we all know that that's different from being in the family, 
Because when you're in the family, you experience all those blessings to a greater degree. And I think that's what it's like to be in the local church. I want to to encourage you to continue to attend the local church gatherings. Visit local churches. Prayerfully consider where God wants you. But also realize that I think it's important for you to actually join the local church. Go public with it. Say, I am a follower of Christ and I want to unite with this body of believers because that is how God nurtures His people. And I think when you do that, you open the door for God to work even more in your life than if you were to keep yourself separate from the church. You know, so that quote, he cannot have God as his father without having the church as his mother. I think there's some dangers in that statement, but what I appreciate about it is it recognizes that God's plan to fulfill the Great Commission, to build up his people, is through the nurturing of the church and the mission of the church. And so this morning, I want to challenge you with this. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I I encourage you to do that. Because there is no other way to be a part of the people of God apart from Jesus. He is the way that we enter the family of God. As we turn from our sin and we ask for forgiveness and turn to Him by faith, we become part of the people of God. Also, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, but you've never been baptized, you've never gone public and said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to identify with this local body of believers, then I encourage you to talk to me as we stand and sing, or maybe after the service, let me know that you want to be baptized. You want to identify with God's people. Or maybe you've placed your faith in Christ, you've been baptized, but you haven't joined the local church. I want to encourage you, even as we stand and sing, to come, make that decision to either follow Christ, to be baptized, or to join the Hill Baptist Church. We'd love to have you here as part of our family as we seek to know Christ and to make Him known. So as we stand and sing, I challenge you to make one of those decisions this morning. Let's stand together.